Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Wilson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cavasco. And Kyle. Yes, sir. For a moment, please close your eyes. <gasps> okay. I would like you to picture a large anthropomorphic creature Ooh. of indeterminate species with short arms and legs. Okay. Imagine this creature all in purple. Mm -hmm. Who am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I just realized who you're talking about. <laughs> and it's Grimace. Oh, you mean Grimace? You mean that Grimace that was part of McDonald's fun-loving cast of characters that anyone in the 70s or 80s remembers well? You may not have known that Grimace was originally the evil Grimace with Ooh. two pairs of arms for which he would steal milkshakes from unsuspecting children. After that first campaign, they revised it to, for him to be one of the good guys, and they reduced the number of his arms by two. Grimace was last seen at Dodger Stadium on July 18th, 2012 versus the Philadelphia Phillies dancing to Ram Jam's 1977 classic, Black Betty. Why do Wait, I bring this up? <laughs> are you telling me Are you telling me that Grimace is missing? <laughs> Grimace, I mean, Why have we not organized a national manhunt to find okay. Grimace? Call I'm, Jason Bourne. I think... He's happy where he is. I think he's cool. You, wait, wait. Are you telling me that Grimace is a little farm upstate somewhere? I think he's in a protection program of some kind. I'm With not going to say witness. the and Mayor McCheese. I, and the Munchkins, the and French Birdie. fry. Oh, what were those things? The, and Mayor McCheese yeah, and all right. of that. Early birdie. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Why did I bring this up? Not because yeah. of that. I'm talking no. about the other Grimace. That's right. The ugly, twisted expression on a person's face, typically expressing disgust, pain, or wry amusement. And that leads us into the beginning of minute. What minute is this? One eighteen. One eighteen of Iron Man Two from 2010, directed by Mr. John Favreau. Uh, where else are you going to get a segue like that, people? Wow. <laughs> Uh, so when we actually pick up where we left off, which is in the middle of the closing shot, it, it turns out that uh, it continues on for about three seconds into this minute. Right. So we have uh, we have Senator Stern with his arms around both Tony and Rhodey right. uh, after he's pinned the medal maybe a little too aggressively onto Tony's chest. True. Uh, and they're standing there, uh, you know, all over, and and he has a as Rob said, he has a grimace on his face a pained <laughs> expression of like i don't want to be here i don't want to be doing this but i have to <sighs> and let's just say i mean okay and picture rap not only picture rap on our mm -hmm. our two main characters don Cheadle yep. and and robert downey jr picture rap on gary shandling god bless gary right. shandling yeah because this was just he he did it oh man picture i love it right to the yeah. end yep it's just a great great character yeah. nice so the acdc continues to play over the credits are rolling okay so uh, a lot of names are going to be flying down here uh, in the cred, so we're not going to uh, look at all of them. We're not going to focus on all of the names that, that fly by. Uh, first of all, our, the show, every episode from here on out would be like an hour long. It would be incredibly boring. And also, you, my friend, have the internet. So <laughs> if you really want right. to find out all these things, you can go to IMDb and click on them like we're doing. So we just sort of went through a couple of these and wanted to highlight a couple of names in this 
a particular minute here in 118 uh, that we thought were worthy of, of consideration. And so the first name that comes up in the thing is not John Favreau, it's not Robert Downey Jr., is in fact the unit production manager. So that's hmm. an interesting, interesting choice that that's what it is. But uh, there's a lot of negotiations that happen with credits and, and unions and where names are placed and, and that kind of thing. But also unit production manager is sort of like if John Favreau is the general, then the unit production manager is sort of like the sergeant who actually has to mobilize the entire army that is the making of the movie. Right. So they have to you know be in charge of all of the logistics of doing everything around so the director can focus on, you know, directing. Right. So, uh, so, so yeah, so, uh, Rob, you know, you had some, you looked into a little bit of uh, the first name that pops up once you tell well, us a little bit about our boy Basil. And explain this, too, is like, okay, when you think of movie production, if even if you're a casual listener or a casual fan of movies, right. units, everything is a unit. Yes. This unit does this. So this is so the this person, is the- imagine if the units were trains, He's the guy who keeps the trains running on time. Right. And right. So like each train has their own engineer and stuff. But no, this is the guy that's keeping everything working together so you can have a movie at the end of the money. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So important. Okay. Now, here's what I love. So our friend Basil, I'm going to I'm going to assume it's Basil. Basil? I assume it's Basil. Basil? Basil. I'm going to say basil. Yeah, basil so, is usually like the, the herb. Oh. The, the name is usually basil. Basil. I really know that because okay. of the great mouse detective. Thank basil you. Basil Baker Street. Well, let me just tell you this. When you go look up or, look up uh, the IMDb uh, listing for him, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what's amazing. His first, there's a couple of movies that he worked on that I was not familiar with. The first one on the list that immediately I recognized, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Ah, Nice. He works on, in 97, 98, he works on that. He works on Contact, Deep Impact, and Basketball. <laughs> what a year! Wait, <laughs> hold on. Like, those are four, like, those are two fairly serious dramatic films, which, by the way, I enjoy both of those. Yeah. Uh, caressed around the edges with two ridiculous comedies. Like,. <laughs> good moves there on the decisions of what you're going to work. I mean, because really that's, that is a huge range. Okay. Some of the movies that really stuck out to me from his list. Yeah. Black Hawk down, bad boys Two, sea biscuit, Garfield, anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I say that like, that is a, that is an amazing array of a list directors that he is working with. So that's Ridley Scott. Right. That's, um, Adam McKay. Yeah, no. I mean, like, these are big names, and, like, these directors, we always think of directors as being, like, the the powerful people in Hollywood that can do this stuff. No, they They need help. They picked Basil. Like, they said, like, you're the guy who's going to run all logistics, and, like, you know, and trusted him to handle that kind of, that that much uh, power and responsibility. That's a pretty uh, big vote of confidence. And I think I also, I think we mentioned this off off show, uh, Bowfinger, which, I mean, he's he's working with Steve Martin. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, like, and like interspersing this, I remember this from like 1999. Uh, it was a made for TV movie, Pirates of Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Which attempted to tell the story, the early beginnings of Apple and Microsoft with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Yep. Um, wow. What a, I mean, okay, amazing. And, you know, you yeah. can go back, I'm sure, like with anyone, any of us, you go back and connect the dots of what you've worked on in your life and what you've done. Yeah. You can kind of see where you pick up different things, right? That help you to understand what you've got to do when you're managing this production 
to get the desired result. I mean, like whether it's action or whether it is comedy or any of these things. I mean, I'm impressed. There's, ah, you know what? He deserve he deserves to be the first person on the credit screen. <laughs> uh, it's. I, I say I was waiting to see what what he had done recently, and actually he did a little work for. Uh, he worked for Aaron Sorkin too. He worked on Charlie oh. Wilson's War. So I mean, yeah, Charlie like, Wilson's War, right? Yeah, yeah that's pretty impressive. Uh, nice. All right, so let's see. The next name that comes up is. Uh, the, another unit production manager. So, you know, obviously, this once again, a major operation, you need more than one person to do that. So that's Dennis L. Stewart. So I'm always interested in Hollywood. And as I'm, as I'm learning more, getting a chance to talk to people who actually are doing some of this stuff, you know, even tangentially, I'm learning it's a lot of, like, you just kind of stumble into what you can do. So where you end up is not always where you started. So in the... In, in the case of Dennis Stewart here um, he actually started out as an actor uh, he is one of the interesting credits he has is under siege to dark territory where he started he was a holy mercenary no the yeah. guys who take the boat I guess that's so. the one where they take the boat wait wait uh, isn't dark territory the train Oh wait, Under Siege 2. Oh under wait, no, no, Under Siege is the boat. Wait, Under yeah. Siege 2 is on the train. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's Steven Seagal on the train. Uh, so yeah, he was one of the mercenaries there and yet ended up as a unit production manager. Like <laughs> there's a there's a, a conversation I would like to have to him of like at what point did you did you go like, "Oh yeah, of course I can manage a production." Uh, because he actually became the next like that he had became a unit manager his first uh, Credit for that is on Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh wow! <laughs> Wait, that from the eighties? The one, yeah, the original the one? Yes, yes. So oh, he was no young. way! So I mean, like, I'm not doing stuff in order. I'm just sort of like I said, sure, sure, sure. On his on his list or whatever. But like, I I find that fascinating. Um, but yeah, but that like, but the same kind of thing. When you look at like the people that he has worked with over the course of time, and and he has. Let's see, for credits, he has 30 credits as a second unit director or assistant director, which are sometimes the same thing. That's right. why they, they can sort of go back and forth. Uh, then he has 12 credits as a production manager, 9 credits as a producer, uh, and then some various and sundry things along the way. But he like like he, had, he was the unit production manager for Panic Room. So that's mm. uh, David Fincher that he's working right. with. Uh, Spider-Man 3, so, you know, and, and Spider-Man 2, actually. So he was working with Sam Raimi. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, so he's working with McGee. I mean, like, and then eventually he actually would go on to work with John Favreau again on Cowboys and Aliens. So, he obviously these guys are doing... Oh, uh, I also... You'll, you'll enjoy this, Rob. Uh, he also uh, was a second assistant director and first second director on Hunter for about five years. Wait. The TV series. The, the TV series? Yes. Wait. Fred, uh, we have Fred, Fred Dwyer. Dwyer. Fred Dwyer? But, yeah. 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 Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, that's a show I haven't thought of. Oh my god, that show is amazing. Yeah. Oh, I also see he was a, he was first AD on Undersea Two, so maybe they just maybe they just put him in an outfit too. <laughs> They're just like, hey, while you're here. Okay, I love. Okay, and I, I man, I'm a doofus for messing that up because I love Under Siege Two is far better than I think than the first one. Because the first one was Tommy Lee Jones, and that one was the boat. And I, yeah, no, Under Siege Two is far better. Under Siege Two was. Um... Oh. Eric Bogosian. Eric Bogosian. I was trying to. I was yes. like, I knew it was Eric. I couldn't come up with the last name. No, I yeah. no, I love that movie. Yeah, from talk radio. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's see. The next name we're gonna we're gonna talk about is uh, the first assistant director. Okay. So like so there's obviously the Unipractice American can also be second assistant director, but first and second director is Eric Heffron. So Eric Heffron is another one of those guys that started out 
not necessarily on that path. He was first cadet in North and South, book one. Oh. <laughs> a very, very famous a miniseries about the Civil War from the 80s. I believe uh, Patrick Swayze got his start on that. Uh, but then eventually he moved over to the other side of the, the camera uh, and started doing it. So he has 57 credits as second unit director or assistant director all the way back. So his first one doing that one, I see the first one I recognize is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Nice. But he was also first AD on Twister. So he worked with Jan de Bont, which is exciting. Oh, wow. Right. And so he was on the Spider-Man movies. It's interesting. I think there's a lot of connection between like the Spider-Man Sam Raimi crew and, talk, and right. Iron Man crew. We've talked about that all the way through, and, and Amazing Spider-Man, too. Like, there's a lot of weird connections between those two, the same people on there. Uh, and so he's still working now. He's actually working with uh, Aaron Sorkin on Being the Ricardos, which also has Clark or Greg in it. Oh, yeah. So another Marvel connection all the way through. Yeah, then we get into a lot of... Okay, so there's a lot of, a lot of names that are flying by here. Uh, we have second assistant director. We have visual effects producer, second unit director. I mean, all incredibly important people. It's just of like course. we, just, we just don't have the time to go through every single name. Uh, so now we get into the cast. So then, obviously, uh, this is not by order of appearance, which sometimes isn't cast list. This is kind of an order of paycheck. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is pretty much I mean, how that, it looks, doesn't it? kind of how it... Like, it looks like it's... Because it's by... Uh, I think by... The, you know, fame level, but also translates to the the people who are paid the most, most to least, kind of. Uh, I mean, that's all that is the way, but that's the way. So it starts out with, of course, our DJ himself, Robert Downey Jr., and then Gwyneth, then Don Cheadle, then Scarlett Johansson, Sam Rockwell. Like, it's, it's sort of going down the line of what you'd expect, like, on a movie poster. Um, but Kate interesting. But in, name pops up in there. I was going to say, and, and interesting, like, Kate Mara shows up before John Favreau. Yeah. True. You know, so I mean, I, she it's... Had, only she had one scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like right below John Favreau's name uh, is Christine Christiana Amanpour. Yes, <laughs> it's like uh, oh, oh okay, but you know so then as as they go down there's a lot of lot of uh, you know one scene people we see Larry Ellison gets credit right. above DJ Am Adam Goldstein. Right, eh, I think I would have switched it around, but you know. Uh, now there we get to see uh, Ali Khan. Uh, uh, sorry, Ali Khan. As we talked about, uh, playing the Ten Rings gangster, that was another thing that we talked about. Yeah. Is that it's kind of, and now they they sort of de-emphasize that in the movie, and now need to re-emphasize it because the Ten Rings are mean a whole different thing to us now here right. in uh, late twenty twenty one. Whenever well, it is, lo- wherever you are, there's a lot more uh, people portraying themselves than you know you'd think after you go through the movie. True, uh, yeah. Elon Musk, uh, and they have Stanley obviously as himself. Um, yeah, that's right. And right above that, of course, is is uh, one of our favorites, Eugene Lazarev. Of the oh Saint. yes, yep. Total. <laughs> and a, oh, and a lot yes. of other things. We talked a lot about him, when, and this is in the first couple minutes of the movie. Wow, it seems so long ago. I know. <laughs> there's uh, Elon Musk. Uh, there's Olivia Munn. Uh, they both uh, those names are both show up in there. Uh, we and we have uh, Alejandro Patino, the strawberry vendor, the overqualified for the the role that he was given, but uh, you know. Gigs again, and, and I'm sure he, the residual checks must be still pretty coming, still coming in. And we talked about uh, Devin Ransom, who was the young Tony Stark in the flash in the uh, uh, scenes from the uh, Howard Stark uh, film collections. Yeah, we, and so we get into now we're getting to stunts. We get into uh, Thomas. Well, wait, Robinson and you got to mention who's the last? Supporter. Who's, oh, who's the, the last? Last, last name is my boy Jack. Jack White. Yes. So the major domo of and and food preparer for Justin Hammer. 
So yeah, awesome. he rounds out the cast list. Then we move to the stunt coordinator. Thomas Robinson Harper is the stunt coordinator. Uh, we see Jeff Amata. Jeff Amata is a is a is a very well known name in terms of um, uh, stunts. I believe he actually did some work on Buffy, which oh, always okay. you know puts him in a higher thing than me. We can see all the stunt doubles. The big name there you should be checking out is Heidi Moneymaker. Yes. She just showed up in Black Widow. She actually rounded out her entire run. So she. She was Black Widow here at the beginning, and she just wrapped her final thing as Black Widow stunt double in the Black Widow movie. Well so, done. Well done. So t- another another veteran of the things that, that she served, you know, 10 years. So basically, as long as Scarlet's been uh, Natasha, Heidi Moneymaker has also been Natasha. So uh, nice in there. We see, uh, then we see Happy Stunt Double, Dave Rowden. He was one of the, the thugs in, in that was uh, menacing there. Uh, we get you... See, I would love to talk about all these people, but, like, there's just so many. <laughs> and then we get utility stunts, and there's all these hardworking people who took a lot of bumps. Uh, you know, probably got pulled away from a lot of explosions. So uh, what is the... Now, you get into stand-ins. The, the stand-in. So what is the stand-in is oh, for... stand-in. Right. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so, because I actually had a friend who was a stand-in on a, a, on a AAA movie. Uh, so he... <laughs> So I'm, 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 I'm gonna try and make. I'm going through my head to make sure that he'd be okay with me telling the story. Yes, I will tell the story. I just okay. won't say who it is, because <laughs> because nothing nothing tragic. I was just sort of like this was his one sort of brush with fame, and now he's he's moved on to other things. So in the movie Forces of Nature, <gasps> Ben Affleck starring Ben uh, Affleck. That's right. Yes, Ben Affleck, Sandra ben Bullock, Affleck and Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock and Ben. Affleck. Yes, right. right. It's it's a, it's a odd little romantic comedy about yeah, it's a, odd. a couple. It's, it's sort of like a. I don't know, sort of a a, a, a much lighter version of uh, Before Sunrise. So, like, it's like two people uh, who sort of meet on a train and have this series of adventures all the way through. And they're like, are they falling in love? Are they not? Like, it's it's, it's all I so, all I know is these these this always this movie always gets souped in with uh, Hope Floats, and Hope Floats yes. is better. Hope Floats <laughs> is better. Hope Floats. <laughs> better. I, I give Forces of Nature a lot of credit because it doesn't conclude the way you think it would. Right. True. Yes. So, I mean, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but I, I, I like the fact that they, they, they are walking you down a path and you think you're going one way and then they, they give you a swerve at the end. So I give them points for that. Is it a great movie? Nah, you judge for yourself. But I mean, but it is worth, especially if you're a sensible completionist. So, you know, um, shout out to our friend Mandy. Uh, who's seen every yes. Sandra Bullock movie and who does not listen to this show, so she yeah, will never no, hear it. Yeah, no, she'll never hear this. Because uh, she can't stand Marvel movies. <laughs> so, so anyways, back to back to Forces of Nature. So he was cast as a stand-in for Sandra Bullock's boyfriend in the movie. Okay. I can't remember what the character's name was. But basically that guy was, I mean, it was a one-scene kind of thing. And so he got to do this. So what that means is they find someone who has the approximate height, weight, build, skin color, like all, like, you know, hair color, all that kind of stuff of the person. So like they want to have someone who's like, has the same physical dimensions in space and pigmentation of the person because their job is to go and stand on the mark that the actor will be standing on and they can do all the lighting camera special effects, even like tests on that person and not use the star's time. Because it could be that when a stand is there, the, the actor might not even be on set. Right. I mean, it could very well be that this is, they're doing this to have this ready so when the actor shows up, because obviously actors are in high demand. I'm not doing this as like, oh, they're in their trailer 
You no, know, right. Uh, you know, you know, watching old movies or whatever. Like I would say, like the their their time is is highly highly regimented. Uh, so they have to be all, all these different things because a lot of times they're promoting one movie while they're shooting another one, and those things have to happen at the same time. So the so the stand-in is a lot of times there just to make sure that the production can keep rolling while the actor is otherwise occupied. And so it's a lot of just standing around. Literally, what they call a stand-in. That's usually what they're doing is they're just standing. They like they're on the mark, standing as they're adjusting lighting and camera and stuff around them. Oh, all right. Not a glamorous job, but no. uh, an important one to to keep things going. And also the fact that you have to keep the same. Like you have to have that that you don't have to look like the person, right. but you have to have the same sort of physical dimensions and. Uh, a lot of actors get really actually close to their stand-ins. I think that Robert Downey Jr. actually has used the same stand-in for like the last 10 years. Oh, wow. If I remember okay. hearing that story right. Uh, 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 but so like it's, it's, it's the, so they can sort of bring these people along uh, on the way. Do you know, that is amazing. I, and I kind of had an, I, I had a suspicion of what that was. I, yeah. I have recollections from different, uh, you know, making of uh, things that I've watched. What is amazing to me about that is, is that to think, you wonder why movies cost so much. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you have so many people, the lighting, the shot, all those compositions for for almost every scene. Some scenes obviously are different in terms of their composition, but for every scene, yeah. you're doing a lot of pre work. There's a lot of people working to make every shot count, and that's phenomenal. I mean, kudos to everybody. And I just remembered why uh, the the Robert Downey Jr. thing came up. Uh, Brian Schaefer is in the movie. Like I forgot. Like, that's oh. why. Like, I'm like I know it's tickling at the back of my brain. And that's I just remembered. And you know, for those of you who were listening, you just heard this like you know ten episodes ago. Um, it was a little longer for us. Uh, yes. He was the Hammer Expo tech. He was the guy who was on the keyboards next to. Uh, oh, Pepper. Pepper. Yes. That was Brian Schaefer. So that oh, is Robert Downey Jr. standing, and he is he has worked with. He's basically, you know, done this job for Robert Downey Jr. for, you know, for all right. the time. He was, I mean, he was in Endgame. He was in, in, and they, because he's a guy who's always been around, they actually have had him in as a bunch of stuff. So let's see, uh, he, he, this was his first on-screen role, but then he shows up in Iron Man 3. He is a mercenary in Age of Ultron. He's a cultural attache in Civil War. So obviously, you know, as, oh. as the years go by and, and Marvel Movie Minute continues on, his name will come up again. But he's been, he's had a... Uh, he has ten different credits uh, on IMDb, and I think they're all just little roles because he was doing the stand-in work for RDJ. Oh, nice, oh, very cool. Um, as we wrap up, as we come to the end of the minute, the I guess the line we've got to certainly give some reverence to is the based on the Marvel comic book by. Yes, and there so, are yeah, four. This names. is interesting, right? So we we've just got past the Iron Net dancers. If you want to hear about right. the Iron Net dancers, you can go back to the early things. Please we do about exactly. Them. They they deserve yeah, their their time and respect too. But we I think feel like we gave it to them there. So let's let's move on to here. So based on the Marvel comic book by, and there are four names. So there are a couple that you know: Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Huge, huge names. Like there would not be a Marvel comics without these two things. The third name you might, at least, and I'm not doing an order, I'm doing it in the order of, of how I want to present them, because that's how we do things here. Uh, Larry Lieber. So Larry Lieber is Stan Lee's brother. So Stan Lee is actually short for Stan Lieber, but he changed it because he, he thought that he was going to be a super famous novelist, and comics were the dirty side job that he was working on uh, just to pay the bills while he was working on the great American novel. But then, of course, he came up with Fantastic Four, <laughs> and... The great American novel sort of disappeared into the mist, and, and well, it just be, it became a lot more colorful. 
Yeah. And so, like, from there, of course, they created this this amazing thing that we are talking about right. these days. So, uh, and Lair Lieber uh, was his brother and also did a ton of writing. He actually did a bunch of writing on Thor. But he, but at the time, they were basically handing off anything at the time just because they, they were trying to get stuff out the door. So he actually did a lot of writing on Iron Man as well during the early days. Uh, because Stan Lee was writing so many comics at the time, he was sort of just like, oh, here, here's some ideas. And he would, like, hand it off to Larry, and Larry would actually script it. And go on there. And so last name is a name we have not talked about. Uh, and his name is Don Heck. So Don Heck was a, a, a unfortunately he's no longer with us, but he was a, a major, major artist in the, what they call the silver age. So like this is about, this is the time that, um, uh, that Iron Man and stuff and, and the Avengers and stuff sort of really boomed. And so he was, like, he, I say if you if, you should look him up because obviously we're doing an audio podcast. You should go look up just his art to see sort of what he was doing because Jack Kirby has a very distinctive style, but Don Heck has a very interesting style too. And you can see nobody draws like Jack Kirby. I mean, unless they're actually trying to like Kirby. But like what we think of as the traditional Silver Age comic, like Don Heck was the guy who was the architect that everybody went, "Oh yeah, I want to do that." Like they started doing everything like him. Uh, he went on to do a ton of, of great comics. Um, and see, I think I found a quote. Uh, Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas was the editor-in-chief for Marvel for a really long time. So he had a great quote about him that is on his Wikipedia page. So I'm going to read that here. And he said, Don was unlucky enough, I think, to be a non-superhero artist who, starting in the 60s, had to find his niche in a world dominated by superheroes. Fortunately, as he proved first with Iron Man and then with the Avengers, Don could rise to the occasion because he had a real talent and a good grounding in the fundamentals. He amalgamated into his own style certain aspects of Jack Kirby's style and carved out a place for himself as one of the handful of artists who have real importance in the, during the very early days of Marvel. So yes, he is, uh, he is like uh, of the... For Marvel, he would be one of like the nine old men, if you know Disney right. War. Right, in Disney like, War, yeah. He one of the fundamental guys who helped establish the house style and that everything from there on was on there. So yeah, we have not talked about him either in the comic episode, which is an oversight on my part, uh, or in this side, but like he is well deserving of this credit uh, and even more. Isn't he, so. now he's responsible, like when you think of, like when I've seen um, classic, well, okay, the origins of Iron Man in the comics, there's this famous panel of, of the of the Mark I Iron Man suit and he's like pulling apart, it looks like a rock face. It's Iron Man is born because I've seen it a lot on like available on posters yeah. and like different vendors and stuff. That's right. him, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. his stuff. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, like see, he did a ton of Marvel work uh, too, right. but like this is, yeah. So he, he, and like I say, when you, and when you go up and look at his style, you'll look at it and go, oh yeah. Like if you're a comic book fan, you'll like, even if you don't know him particularly, you'll recognize the style. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. He's a, that's a, he's an important dude. Well, th- uh, well, thanks to all those gentlemen, because exactly, that's... Uh, the only reason that we're here. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we get into sort of uh, art director and, and uh, film character designers and that kind of stuff. So I feel right at the right at the last second of the thing, an an a, a important name comes up that we have talked about, uh, and that's Ryan Minerling. So he is actually one of the concept artists that helped create the look, and so he actually has done a great stuff. You should definitely 100% follow him on Instagram because his Instagram is fantastic because he he posts. He's still working for Marvel, and he posts the art that he did. So he, I think recently he did a a thing about Black Widow, all the stuff he had done for Black Widow. So like whenever something comes out, he goes, oh yeah, I did the design on this. And so like, I've said that there's Captain America, there's Iron Man, there's whatever it is. He did a ton of work and I happen to be lucky enough to have met him. So I have a piece of his original art on my wall. Obviously it's a print because I'm not, I'm not that well off, 
but <laughs> but I got to meet him. I got to say how much I like his stuff. I got to say anything. I got to chat with him for just like five minutes as as we're cycling through. And and I, basically, what I asked him is, um, how hard is it to keep these secrets? I'm like, because in your head, you know what the next like five movies that haven't even been announced are. And he says like. It's really, he's like, it's really hard because I have to be constantly thinking, has that been announced yet? Like, can I oh, talk about right. that yet? Because right. as we're, you know, excited about whatever it is at, at that time that you're listening to the Shang-Chi or, or, or Eternals right. or, or whatever it is, um, like he's already thinking about phase five. Oh, yeah. Because For sure. That, because as a concept artist, you have to be way ahead of the tracks. Right, because the train's coming, but you need to be like way down there designing the bridge, you know that they're not going to cross for another ten years, whatever right. it is. Like you have to be thinking way, way down the line. So yeah, that was that thing. And he was he was super nice and and couldn't have been, uh, you know, more accommodating and, and fun to chat with. Well, and you know, and recently, um, he's the artist of uh, I think was probably the most famous Chadwick Boseman tribute art piece that True. came out following his death. It was the one of the black panther portrait with the kind of tree uh of you know from the movie and stuff making up that and then these like sort of like lighter versions of chadwick boseman's uh face and stuff behind it it was it, that was the one that i remember the most and i believe that was his artwork from yeah from then. I, so i would say like that's the thing is if if you like any of the look of marvel yeah it's because of him i mean like obviously there's yeah. a bunch of other guys andy park is a, is a big thing but like this is iron man 2 and there he is like this that was his first uh, stuff with Marvel, and so everything from there on, you know, just went on to it. And like I said, he's still doing the job. So let's right. see. Uh, he is at Ryan Minerding. If I'm, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, Ryan underscore Minerdings underscore Art, and then he's actually at Minerding uh, Art on Twitter. Yeah, no, excellent yeah. stuff. I think he currently is. Uh, his title is VP and Creative Director of Visual Development at Marvel Studios. That is a nice, nice thing to have on your business card. That's not well. That would be the only. That would be the last business card. I would. Right. I would think that would be it. Like, yeah. okay, I'm done. Like, Thank you. On. They just like set that down in front of somebody and have them go. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, nice. And yeah, and it's his name right at the bottom of the thing. That is where our our minute comes to an end. Uh, so that is uh, what we have for 118. Um, but uh, if you like seeing text flowing on screen. Uh, a great place to check that out would be Discord, because that's actually how Discord works. You type a thing, and it moves up, and you type a thing, and it moves up. It's like your own credit scene that's rolling all the time. Oh, and it happens boy. that uh, <laughs> Next Reel has our very own uh, Discord community, and the Marvel Movie Minute has its very own Discord channel. So you can just go to nextreel.com slash Discord and go on there, or uh, go to nextreel.com, scroll down to the Discord link, click on it, uh, join the community. It's free. Uh, we have and uh, we have all of our shows are on there, including this one. So hop in, chat, do whatever the there is that you do on Discord. Pop, post memes, whatever it is. Uh, you know, post your outrage about the fact that we didn't talk I, about aerial coordinator Kevin Larosa. Okay, he coordinated well, all the aerials. How know, could you not have mentioned him? I know, but you don't don't don't, don't encourage don't encourage <laughs> outrage. That's how you build a following, right? I know. I'm a little fragile. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, obviously we'll be back here to talk about the 19 as more names fly by. Uh, I, I can guarantee you that those of you who, who might have been a little bored, um, I can give you a little sneak preview that uh, these episodes will not all be us reading names. Oh, 
interesting. Yeah, so huh. uh, in, in case you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, man, is this going to be like 10 episodes of them just, like, reading names off? No, no, we have some uh, oh. surprises coming along. No, so no, you should stay You, you should, should stay, stay tuned. Subscribed. There's a conversation coming. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you'll see. We'll talk about it. We'll see you there. So, but until then, enough said. Bye.